0: morning and welcome to Belong Church. I'm so glad that you're along with us for this journey and today I'm so excited because it's the day we celebrate our five-year anniversary as a church and it, it began five years ago when the church that we were attending as and many of us were all there together the pastor stood up and said June 28th is our last service and it kind of threw a lot of stuff in motion and if you heard our message a couple of weeks ago on change it wasn't about this coming up change but it was just it change happens to all of us and it just kind of shuttled us right into it and many people came to us and said hey what are y'all gonna do and we said hey we're not going to do anything until we finish the assignment here and it was the Sunday. Before our last service with that church, and we were, I woke up to a dream that God wanted us to plant a church. And to be honest, I was like, God, please, no, 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 no. And if you've heard me tell the story, if you're part of the story with us, you'll you recall that I said, God, I don't care what number I am. I can be number two, number four, number 500. I don't care. But I just don't need to be the one leading the parade. And God really laid on my heart that the last 30 years of ministry was for now. So we went ahead and took those steps and we jumped through the hoops. We talked to our pastor in Florida, Pastor Tad, who you got to see this year on one of our messages, and we just love Pastor Tad so much. And he he's prayed about it, and he came back. He goes, not only do I feel good about it, I feel like this is the right time. I think this is the right place in you guys' life. So actually, at their 30-year anniversary, we announced that we were going to be uh, planting what was now Belong Church. And so it's just been this incredible journey. And we started off in our living room for a period of time for doing the pre-launch, and then we actually launched in um, 2016 at a a local elementary school and we did that for six months and then we kind of joined paths with a local church planning organization that had a building and we took over their lease for 18 months and then we started doing we were able to do streaming and we were able to go online and then we really felt the the call of God that where our traction really was was completely in the digital church market. And and more people were watching us digitally and on our online presence than were able to make it to our services. And you know, it's just been a crazy um, transition. And and let me just tell you, whenever I felt the call for us to plant a church, it did not look at all like what it is today. And I think that's awesome because what it ends up being is it's not what was my vision, but it's what was God's vision. In fact, had the church plant worked exactly like what we thought and were trained in the church planting with the ARC network and how they tell you to do all this stuff, it all happened, I probably most likely would have just continued to do church like I'd done it for 30 years before that. But in fact, the way it's gone, it's forced me to stay in the marketplace, in the workforce, and still driving for Uber. And five years later, I'm still there. You know, I worked last night and got home at 7 o'clock in the morning this morning. And, you know, just working, working, working but I get to be in touch with so many people. And this week I got the opportunity to talk to three other people that I hadn't talked to in in many, many months, actually before Corona. And and it was just so awesome. And and I know that they're joining us with us this morning. So I just want to say hi. I'm not going to call you by name, but hey, I'm so glad you're with us. And it's just so awesome to see what God is doing. What will next year look like? See, because what I thought it was going to be, it wasn't. And every year, the transitions have happened. And, and I feel some stirrings inside of me, and Michael and I talk a lot in, in staff meetings about things, and, and knowing that I feel some changes coming up as well for us as a church. And, and I think that we're, we're going to see some things happen. And, and he's even made the comment that he, he just he's amazed at how quickly God does things, and we'll talk about it in staff meeting, and then God will just, boom, it'll just happen, And I don't know how it's going to happen in the the next year. I don't know what's going to happen. God's given us some vision. He's given us some direction, and we're walking down those paths. But it's just amazing to see. But can I tell you the lives that have been changed in this five years? It's not about the numbers that we would say how many people are sitting in chairs, it's not even about how much money's coming in, in the offering to say, we're going to count, you know, nickels and noses as the saying would go. But it is in fact because of your generosity that hundreds of people's lives have been touched. Now some of them have immediately responded to the word of God and some of them are kind of freaked out about it. And some of them are still still like sticking their big toe in and maybe checking it out. And that may be you watching and that's great and that's fine. And listen, wherever you're at in the journey it's where you're at. God is so patient and he's so wonderful and he's so there for us in so many ways. I was telling Michael that when we do this anniversary service that we got to hit our three scriptures that are the ones that are really the defining um, marks for who we are as a church. And really, it it comes into the journey that I personally have taken. And that was not just doing church like I've seen it done, like I've experienced it. And like uh, so many, and I'm not throwing any shade or throwing any stones at anyone. But it was really to dig in and look at the Bible for what the Bible truly says. What is the relationships that God truly had with people? How did he really interact with people? And a lot of the things that I had as mindsets that I've come to know as religious mindsets, the the rules of man. In fact, when we planted the church, the the tagline that really the Lord put on my heart was to be the church with no rules and no judging. Judging. And, and my wife, she's so sweet, but she came to me. She goes, now, there's got to be some rules. And, and you, we had the conversation, and you may have heard me tell the story that which ones? Who makes them? Well, we got to tell, no, it's God who will lead his people in the direction that he wants. The message of the Bible, the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus on the earth is love. The love of wrapping his arms around you and leading you in a place that you want to go, not shaking a finger at you and, and telling you how terrible you are. In fact, in John 3 17, which is one of the three scriptures that is, is our you know founding things, and it's one of the greatest parts of our church. Most people know John 3:16, but most people don't know the next verse, and it's like the continuation. Of the thought. In John 3:17, God says, God did not send his son into the earth to judge the earth. That right there is amazing. He didn't send Jesus from heaven to say, y'all are all messed up and you're all going to hell. He didn't come to shake his finger, he didn't come to judge us, but the rest of that says But that through him, as a result of Jesus coming, we would be saved. See, everybody knows, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever will, but most people don't know the next part, that God didn't send his son to come in judgment. There's a day of judgment coming, but it isn't today. He didn't send Jesus to judge us. But that through his love, in verse 16, through his love in showing us mercies, we might come to know him, to have a relationship with him. In fact, Jesus came to show this relationship that he wants is personal, not corporate. There's nothing wrong with the corporate church there's nothing wrong with the corporate worship experience that's wonderful and there's nothing better than being together with all of God's people but that's not the ultimate of what Jesus came to show what he ultimately came is to show us that there is a life that is a personal relationship with him In fact, the other scripture that that would be our number one, probably the one I talk about the most of everyone, if you've heard me for two minutes or talked to me two minutes in a one-on-one conversation, you've heard me talk about John 10.10. In it, Jesus says, there's two worlds, paraphrasing it. That there's the world's way, the enemy's way, what was just going to come natural. And I always put it in the left hand over here, in my left hand, and I I do this analogy. It says, the devil has come to rob, kill, and destroy. And that's the world's way. That's what happens just naturally. That's what is just going to happen. If you do nothing, it's going to happen. He goes with the middle of that says, but I... Jesus speaking, but I, Jesus have come and I believe he reveals and opens up this, this other showcase, if you will, I've come to give you life. There's a different life that's here. You can have this life over here. That's just going to come natural and you don't have to do anything and you're going to have robbing and killing and destroying. And yeah, it's just going to be an existence but I have come. In other words, what is his purpose? Not just to die on the cross for us, as wonderful as that is. I'm not taking anything away from that. He didn't come to judge us, John 3, 17. And he says, another step is that I came to show you that there's life bigger than what you know. Life to the fullest extent. Life abundantly. So many different translations say that differently. The connotation is the same. There's a different life than what you know. There's a different life than what's going to come natural to you. And it's going to take you some work to get here. But that's why Jesus said, I came. And can I tell you, that's an extension of me. That's why I am here in this job. That's why there is Belong Church for the John 10.10. And it isn't for the John 3:17 that say that we are a church here to tell you everything you're doing wrong. No, I don't need to tell you what you're doing wrong. Most of the time, to be honest, you know when you're doing wrong and what you're doing wrong. Because we all know that even a, a, a small child knows when they're caught doing something, and they try and hide the cookie behind their, their back that they, you haven't even got onto them yet. They know when they've done wrong. We're no different as we get older. Our purpose as a church isn't to come and judge, but to say, hey, to tell you that Jesus came, that you could have this other world, and, and there's a life for you, and it's not just about being in heaven and the, the stupid religious connotation, we're going to be little fat little angels uh, plucking harps up on a, on a cloud, and that's our eternity after we die. No, it's not about that at all. Jesus says, hey, there's a life to the full, and listen, if life here on the earth is that much more to the full, imagine... What heaven's going to be like. Just imagine. But you see, that's why Jesus came, and that's why he called us as a church, and that's why he called me as a pastor, to give that message and to tell that message strong. Now, one of the most um, obvious places, and it was actually the text of our very first service in the school when we did our launch service, we talked about the third scripture that would be the one that's the capstone of our ministry, and it's found in John chapter 8. And I'm not going to actually read the the scripture line by line. I'm going to tell the story, and you can go read it for yourselves, found in the book of John chapter 8. But Jesus is in church. He got up early, It said, in the morning, and and he's there preaching and teaching, and there's all the different people who came out early to hear what Jesus' words were. And everyone loved to just sit and listen to his words and it's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I've never heard such things. In the midst of him teaching, in church, mind you, Okay, in the temple, but in our context, put yourself in the Bible, in church, everybody's gathered around, probably got their notebooks out, taking notes. The religious leaders came in and I believe they made a scene. They busted through the back doors that everybody would turn and look and go, oh my gosh, what's going on? What's the big commotion? And they had a woman between them, arrested, if you will, Now, I personally believe that she was naked, completely without clothes, or certainly with very little clothes, because as they threw her down in front of Jesus, interrupting everything, they said, Master, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. It says she was caught in the very act now, there's so much messed up in this, in this whole story of what happened there. What are all these religious leaders doing looking at this woman having adultery? Caught in the very act. I believe, personally, they set her up. I believe they knew who was the woman in town that would be up for the challenge. If you follow what I'm saying, they paid her some money. And when she's in the middle of committing the act, they went in, busted the door down, and just I believe they just ripped her out of that room. Notice they didn't bring the man. Okay, that's a whole other subject as well. But they brought her, I believe, just as she was, so really, really undressed. We'll leave it at that. And they threw her down trying to make a big scene. Said, Master, the law of Moses says that because we caught her in the act, she's to be stoned to death. Now, that's foreign to us, and we don't really understand that, and it's kind of like, okay, I can get it, but it's not like what she got because that was something that was quasi-common. She had undoubtedly seen other people stoned to death In much of the world today, if you're caught robbing and stealing, on Friday, the judgment is just executed and they chop off your hand if you stole. They have other measures of, of, you know, executing justice for other things. And, you know, sometimes they'll take your head off there. But It's in the common square that they'll bring everybody out and they'll watch and they line them up and they'll just chop their hands off and you won't ever steal with that hand again because it's gone, okay? It's a similar situation that she had undoubtedly seen other people stoned to death. And so here she finds herself in the place that she would have never ever dreamt that she would be. And isn't that the same way with us? When we're doing something we know we shouldn't do, we always have this thing in the back of our mind, well, nobody'll ever know. I surely won't get caught. Certainly didn't think she's going to be ripped out of the midst of her sin, taken to church and thrown down in her nakedness in front of everybody. I believe she was in the fetal position. And I believe she was down and she has now got the fight or flight syndrome that we know about that she, everything's tunneled in and, and she can't see anything and she's expecting that she's about to die. She, this is the end of the road. Her life has flashed in front of her. This is it. And when that stuff happens, you don't hear, you're not paying attention to what's going on around you. You're just in the shock of not knowing, Disoriented. The story as you'll read, Jesus knelt down and started writing on the ground. He looked up around him and kept writing some more. And then he said, whoever is here that is without sin, you throw the first stone. And then he kept writing some more as you'll read in the story. Now, if you've heard me talk about this, that's what I want to know. That's one of my questions when I get to heaven. What would you write in the sand? We don't know, but I want to know. What would you write? But, you know, it says that as he's writing, he's looking up. So maybe he's writing their mistress's names. Or maybe he's writing their sins down. But it says from the oldest to the youngest. And I just love the specificity of the Bible and how awesome that is. That From the oldest to the youngest, they all turned around, dropped the rocks, and walked away. (laughs) <laughs> so I don't know if he's writing, you know, Susie and looking at the oldest one. And he's like, oh, no, no, not! I'm not going to be the next one down there. He writes down here and they drop there. He just keeps on going. All of a sudden, they're all gone. And he walks over to the woman. I believe he put his hand on her. But here she is still in that fight or flight. And she's in this, this place of being in the fetal position. And I believe when he touched her she probably jumped. I believe that she he was catching her off guard because she just knew that that touch was the first rock coming. She jumped. And he said these words that are most amazing. Now remember they've all left. And this is where I would, and maybe you would, shake your finger and say, now, come on, you know you're not supposed to be doing this. But isn't that what we do to other people too? We don't look at our own sin, but we'll look at their sin and say, don't you know you're not supposed to be doing that? I saw a post this past week that says, don't judge other people because they sin different than you. Ouch and wow. Don't judge others because they sin different than you. Because you can look at their sin and go, oh my gosh, don't you know you're not supposed to do that? And yet when it comes to us, when it comes to me, we go, "Um, you know, it's not that bad. You know, everybody has something. We see, Jesus is perfect. If anyone was the person to shake his finger and say, now come on, you know better. Don't do this. Don't ever let me catch you come doing this again and don't. Eh, this is, he didn't do any of that stuff. What did it, read the rest of it? What does it say? He says, "Neither do I condemn you." He says, "Woman, where are your accusers? We're the ones that are ready to throw the first rock." She sticks her head up and looks around. She goes, "There's no one, Lord." And he says, neither do I. The one who is right and just. The one that if he had come to judge the world, would have said, okay, I judge you guilty. But his words, so amazing. Neither do I condemn you. See, if we try and put judgment and we try and put rules, if we try and put things, burdens on people to change in their lives, we're stepping outside of what Jesus Example was, Jesus said, neither do I judge you. John three seventeen. God didn't send his son into the earth to judge the world, but to show them a path to a better life so they might be saved, so they might come to know him, so that their life might be changed so as we are five years in as a church, literally hundreds of people that we've talked to, ministered to, and, and seen lives change, and some are in the process of change, some are still in the process of, of the decision to change. Where do you find yourself today? Please bow your heads with me. It's exciting for me to see the heart of God and what he wants Belong Church to be, and He's constantly revealing more. But it's awesome to me to see what he's doing in touching lives of people who mostly would be excluded by most people. Of of people's lives who most people would say, I've written you off. You're in places of sin. You're in places of darkness. You better get your life together before you come to God. But that's not in the Bible. Can I tell you? The Bible says, go into the world. Go into all the world, even into dark places. And even in that, it's not to judge. It's to show love. So where do you find yourself today? How are you at not judging? How are you at loving? How are you at showing God's love that isn't here to put people down, but to help them up? Maybe you're that person who would feel down. Maybe you're that person who would feel like I'm at the bottom and there's no way God could love me. Let me tell you, he does. You would say, I've sinned too much. I've messed it up too much times. The rest of that story is he told her, go and sin no more. And literally means go and do better. Hey, you missed it. Yeah, I'm not saying you didn't miss it. You did miss it. But go and do better. Don't hit the mark better next time, literally. So if that's you today, I would encourage you to pray this prayer. I would invite you to pray this prayer with me. And it's not going to do anything but start a journey. Get on the path. Let God show you what it is that he would want to do different in your life. Let God show you where he wants to take you. Just pray this prayer after me. Say, Father in heaven, right now, I choose to give up doing life my way. I surrender my life to you. I ask you to forgive me for every time I've missed it and I receive your new life. Thank you for sending Jesus for me. Today I give my life to you. I choose to place my trust In you, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I wanna ask you and invite you to take the next step, and that's simply to text the word connect to 469-289-1114 and no one's going to spam you you're not going to have anybody come after you it's just a simple way it's our text communication system that we can communicate what your next steps are if you'd like to take them it's very very simple but i want to thank you for being on this journey with us i want to thank you for your generosity for these 5 years that has enabled us to do all the different things and Your generosity has allowed us to have these nicer cameras and we're not using iPhones anymore and we actually have a computer and software and we have real lights and the real green screen and and, and just all the different things and that's because of you and your generosity. So thank you. Let's close in prayer. Father, I, I just thank you for the last five years of what you've done with Belong Church. Lord, for what transformations you've done in me and all of those of us that are on this journey with you. Lord, thank you for those that have started that journey today that said that prayer. And Lord, help us to do well in following up with them and help us to do well on giving this message that you didn't come to judge, but you came to show that there's a better life. To help us up, not to put us down. Father I speak a blessing over everyone's generosity that's sowed into this church with their tithes and with their offerings. And Lord, I'm just so flooded with the faces and the different people who've believed in us and have sown into this Lord and each one of those offerings have gone into the soil that is belong church and they're growing up and Lord the re- the return and the it's just so amazing. Father, I just thank you for all of that. And Lord, I just speak a blessing over all of that that it continues. Father, to, to be this amazing harvest. Father, I thank you for the next year that we have as a church and where you're going to lead us and the stirrings that I feel inside of me, where we're going to go. Lord, I just thank you. Father, I speak a blessing over everyone who's taken this journey. Lord, I speak a blessing over everyone who's paid their tithes and given offerings this week. And and Lord, the, the financial runway that is helping us to take off and to continue just doing what we do lord thank you so much for all those people and their generosity father we just give you all the glory and all the honor in jesus name we pray Amen. Thank you for spending the last five years with us. And for those of you that are newer, you can go back to our YouTube channel and and go back for a couple of years and see different messages. And you see the progress, even just watching the difference of what the background looks like is pretty amazing to sometimes just sit and look and see all the different things. But if you will, watch to the end for ways that you can connect and have social media with us and ways to give.